Hi, and thank you for streaming Stop Stigma, Start Healing, a podcast brought to you by Equitas Health and our mental health recovery services. Hello, my name is Miles, and I'm your host of Stop Stigma, Start Healing, the raw and uncensored podcast where we talk openly and unapologetically about our lives as trans, lesbian, bi, gay, queer, and HIV-positive humans. Our goal is to stop the stigma that prevents us from getting the health care we deserve. Each episode, we feature real people in our community and in conversation and storytelling. The experiences shared here are valuable and important, and they are based on the lives of those in this space. And some of you who are listening, prepare to be educated, shocked, seen, triggered, and informed. No matter your response, keep the conversation going. Start healing. So uh, today's episode, um, I've called it, I'm totally stealing from pop culture, Body Oddy Oddy, because <laughs> I was listening to that song the other day when I was uh, on the whatever that machine, torture machine is at the gym, and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, it's a great song, and it's a great name for a podcast where we're going to talk about body images, body messages, um, and the LGBTQ community. Um, so we know, we know, and from a general pop standpoint um we are flooded with images in social media on television and the movies about the ideal body image and as queer people um we are also not immune to that we have uh, some different messages i think that we get about that and i i think and i'll be interested to hear from our guests i think that we have some like problematic beliefs in our community that we perpetuate some of those things. So I'm already seeing some head nods. <laughs> and also I think some, some great opportunities where, where parts of our community are doing some uh, really neat things around body positivity and really reshaping and reframing um, our relationship with our bodies and there are bodies. So let's celebrate that. So I would like you uh, who are listening to first meet our guests. And I have two really great guests here today. Today. I'll start here on my immediate right. Okay. Yeah. My name is Delena. Um, I'm 48. I'm a mother of two adults. Oh. <laughs> um, I identify as lesbian. Um, and, um, oh, geez. What else do you identify as? Um, I am polyamorous. I am uh, kinky. Um, pretty much any alternative lifestyle type thing, I am that. And um, I am what's considered as an SSBBW, which is um, a supersized BBW. Um, and it's pretty much a general term in um, the uh, larger world um, for people like me. Um, and um, I actually live in Ohio, been here all my life. And I think that's about it. <laughs> in secret fun fact, I went to high school with Delena. So really yes. excited to be in this space with you today because, of, of course, as young queer people, these weren't things we talked about in the hallway. Oh, but no. Wouldn't it be amazing had we been like yeah, it was, out and crazy back in the 80s? It was so closeted then. It was really bad. It was yep. really bad. But we survived. We're yes. Here. Well, great. So I'd like to uh, have our next guest introduce himself. 
My name is Michael. I'm super shy right now. I will tell you, totally I'm fine. 45 years old, identify as gay. Um, I'm single and just putting that out there. And <laughs> I live at home with my two cats right now, hopefully more. Um, yeah. That's kind of what more I, to come, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you and I met a few years ago, actually. Yes. Um, at your workplace. Yes. And so did. that was in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> made, we've maintained contact ever since, and it was yeah. great to meet you then, and it's been great to. Well, thank you for having me on. To get to yeah. know you over the last couple of years. So, if we can go back around and talk a little bit more about your coming out experience mm-hmm. and. Um, kind of your first ideas of kind of who you were in your body. I don't know really where I want to go with that, but we're going to talk more about body stuff in, okay. our, in our community. So I want to hear kind of what that was like for you. Do you want to start? Yeah, I can start. Okay. So for me growing up um, in a very small town, and being very shy and overweight and everybody around me was skinny, my brothers and everybody else. And I always knew that I was gay, of course. And my only um, outlet was the underwear section in the men's department with the pictures. That was, this is like before internet and I didn't really have anybody else to talk to. So of course I went even more inward, knowing that I was gay, feeling like I was alone and shy and, Ended up being with a lot of women and dating women and not coming out until I was 24 years old and moving to Columbus. It took me like moving to a bigger town to um, be okay with who I was and discovering myself. So, yeah. Okay. Great. Anything more you want to share about getting comfortable with your body? Um, It took me a really long time to get comfortable with my body and be okay with who I was because I was always overweight, like I said. And when I was 17 um, and ready to graduate high school, I was over 300 pounds. And by the time I was 29, I had weighed 430 pounds. And that's when I decided like I couldn't do it any longer. And my mom and I had discussed the possibility of having gastric bypass. We were really concerned about the risks, but then my mom decided there was more of a risk to not have it for me personally, because I had sleep apnea, high blood pressure and diabetes. For me, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me personally, I felt like it was the best decision. Um, And then a couple years later, after weight loss, I lost 230 pounds. And then after that, I ended up having skin removal. And that was 15 years ago. Mm. So luckily, I was able to keep it off and stay fit and working out. But at the same time, I haven't completely dealt with the image part and the body part um, because I did not have therapy. But I feel like coming on your show and talking about things, really, I feel like it's going to be helping me as like a stepping stone Mm -hmm. catalyst to feel like it's hard for me to talk to people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe this will be what I need to feel comfortable to talk to somebody that's a stranger and kind of tell them like okay, this is what I'm going through. And I, and my insurance actually covers it now for me to go to therapy. That was the important part. Uh, for a long time, I didn't have the plan that would cover insurance mm-hmm. for healthcare and for therapy. Yeah. And I just found out that this year I can have therapy and not have to pay for it. Awesome. So that helps because I really have needed therapy for a long time. I know that and I feel like everybody would benefit from some kind of therapy. And now I'm like, I can finally go. I can finally tell all of my problems and mm-hmm. somebody to talk to that's not going to judge me. And I have a lot of friends like, okay, thanks for oversharing, but um, maybe you should go see somebody. <laughs> so now, okay, I was like, I'm feeling more comfortable. And 
and that's the plan now to actually get into therapy to help my mind catch up with my body because my body transformation happened like within six months my mind transformation did not and that's a lot where the problem is like I think when you and I were talking I was telling you I was like okay sometimes I still feel overweight sometimes I still feel really uncomfortable and it's something that I want to deal with and have had to deal with for years that I just kind of like hit the pause button. I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I'm going to help other people. Mm-hmm. Like, but now it's time to help myself mm-hmm. and get to where I need to be. So that's where I'm going at right now. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. How about you? What's your story? Um, let's see. I've been overweight since I was six years old. Um, I'm not exactly sure. Something happened. I just don't know what. Mm. Um, and, but then, you know, I was gaining weight as more of a shield against interactions with people. Um, and, you know, by the time I was in high school, I did lose a considerable amount of weight. Um And then I met somebody and then I got pregnant and then gained 80 pounds. And then that relationship went to the toilet. Um, And, you know, I had had my kids. I was a single mom forever. Um, And, you know, increasingly over the years, I've gained weight. But I've been about the weight that I am now, um, about 440, um, for about now 25 years. I've gone down some, but I just kind of come right back up to the set point. And, you know, I really did use my weight as a shield about, you know, talking to people and, uh, you know, finding people to date. You know, I I was single for quite a long time. Um, And uh, I think it was about when I was 32 years old. Um, I decided, you know, at that time I was bi, I decided to, okay, let's kind of explore, you know, things with women, but it was very, very, very slow. Um, but I also decided, uh, at that time that I'm 32, I am fat for lack of a better word. I've reclaimed that word. It's not stigmatized to me anymore. Um, But I was like, why am I holding myself back just because I'm fat? Um, So I decided to start living and, you know, just doing things. And, you know, over the years, a couple years after that, uh, my mama died. And like three years after that, my uh, dad died. So, you know, dealing with their deaths and um, having to be an adult (laughs) without a safety net. Um, I was like, I kept pushing forward for um, living my life as I am and not how I would like to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't until, let's see, uh, what's Seven years ago, I think, I came out basically to Facebook and everybody on there. Um, and I said, you know, I was bisexual. I was in a uh, DS relationship, dominant submissive relationship. Um, I was polyamorous. I was, you know, kinky. I just like uh, on 
you know, the National Coming Out Day. I just laid it out there. And I was surprised about the support I got from people I didn't think who would support that. And, you know, you know, that just emboldened me more to speak and, you know, try to be a good model for other people who had low self-esteem, if who are heavier, which that happens a lot. And, you know, I decided I wasn't going to take the scraps of attention I would get from people. Um, I reject that totally. You know, if you, if you can't give me all yourself, that's a misnomer. If you can't give me, um, attention when we're together or whatever, I don't really need to be with you. I don't need to be in your life. You don't need to be in my life. Um, and then, um, it was probably, well, almost, no, it was last year. I realized that I was no longer bi. I was a lesbian. And so that's been very interesting. (laughs) Um, coming into that at, you know, at the time I was 47, very, what they call late in life lesbian. (laughs) Um, so, I mean, it was a whole new world and, once I realized that, funny thing happened. Um, I met actually um, a couple of people, um, but one of them, uh, she's now my fiance. Oh, nice. Um, we've been engaged almost a year. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually lives in Germany, so we haven't actually met yet in person. So, but it feels right and. Um, but, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the things that, you know, I went through in life, I faked it until I made it with my confidence. And, you know, that's helped a lot of people, which, you know, I don't, I never really know. But, you know, occasionally somebody will be like, I'm so glad that you did what you did because it gave me the courage to do what I need to do. So... Michael, you mentioned um, underwear models were some of your mm. early images. Yeah, and I wonder for both of you, what were what were those early images that you remember um, that we were <coughs> given? Um, Mine was specifically like the underwear packages at the department oh, stores. That is very specific. Yeah, yeah, well, because that was you know on television, you didn't really see a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, that wasn't like R rated, so you had to find things where you could find things at you know. But then when I turned eighteen, I think was the age when you're allowed to go to like the adult store. And wow, <laughs> like that was a whole different thing mm-hmm. that was like opened up a whole new different world, you know. And even then they had like the stuff in the in the very back, though, you know, it was like you saw like a lot of straight things. You didn't see like a lot of, you know, gay sections mm-hmm. and a lot of that was covered up. But once you got to see more things and more exposure and stuff. So that was my early like exposure to um, same sex type things sure. and magazines. And the- 
trying to think of what I want to say here. And, yeah. and those images were, what, what were the standards of beauty in those images? Oh, they were all beautiful. Yeah, there was, I mean, mean? everybody, everything mean? was like flawless. Every body mm-hmm. part was perfect. Everybody looked like a model. There was no like plus size packaging. Mm-hmm. There was no people that didn't have every hair in place and every, they all looked like movie stars, of course. They all looked like beautiful and glamorous and skinny and movie star mm-hmm. types. There was no average person. There was no overweight person on these packages because they wanted to sell a certain image and that did a lot for me as far as like is this what the beauty standard is supposed to be is this what I should look like and then I would go home and like of course eat and be by Mm myself and very depressed and everything about other stuff too because even at school like in gym class you know I'm like you see all these I mean I failed gym twice like I'm my mom had to take me to summer school gym because at like 300 pounds I'm like I can't do a layup and I would like remember dodgeball I'd purposely get hit so I could like sit down and like eat snacks and stuff (laughs) everybody's not built the same Mm -hmm. and everybody shouldn't be held to the same standard of beauty or you know it just doesn't make any sense to have everything is like across the board everybody should have to keep up and do the same things and I was just really like taken aback by that so yeah you Delana um, you know, basically, like he yeah. said, you know, um, back when I was growing up, you know, the only plus size was the Husky section mm-hmm. in Sears. <laughs> um, there wasn't, you know, I was in adult clothes when I was a child um, just because of my weight, because they didn't. Um, they didn't. um you know, cater to anybody because, you know, the, the perfect size, you know, at that time I believe was four. Now it's still like eight. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, just, there really wasn't anybody who emulated my body shape Mm -hmm. in any sort of advertising or anything. Um, you know, I know one of the things that I've, you know, realized that in news articles or pictures that they take, you know, they'll chop the uh, head off of an overweight person um, and just focus on the body because, you know, they're not real people. Um, you know, that was a lot of the imaging and it still happens. Um But, you know, as the years have gone by, there's more and more images of all different types of bodies and colors and genders and stuff. Um, We still have a long way to go, but, you know, it is better than it was. Mm -hmm. If you use methamphetamines and are looking for harm reduction or sobriety options, Gravitas might be for you. Gravitas is a welcoming and affirming treatment program for gay men, men who have sex with men, and folks in the trans community who use meth. We offer counseling and LGBTQ plus centered care for you on your recovery journey. To learn more and schedule your first visit, please call us at 614-340-6700. That is 614-340-6700. I had a thought and uh, it just left my brain. So I apologize. I'm thinking about the, the things you're saying and thinking about, you know, how, how did, 
What, what were people's responses to you from our community when you initially came out regarding your body? Were you, was it challenging? Was it welcoming? I'm asking like really stupid questions because I think I know the answers, but <laughs> I think so. I think it's okay for people in, you know, a little town in Ohio to hear this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. What okay. <laughs> um, what was good about my coming out, I guess, um, about almost 12 years ago, I found the Columbus Kink community. Mm. And um, some of the leaders um, were overweight themselves, and they welcomed everyone, no matter your body shape, no matter, you know, your abilities or whatever. And that helped a lot just to see, oh, everybody is welcome in this space. And they wouldn't tolerate anybody who tried to be different, tried to do different than that. Um, So that helped a great deal um, with me being able to be more comfortable in my body and, you know, not paying attention to, you know, the naysayers and stuff. How about you? And for me, it was a little different, though, because being in a very small town and being overweight, it took me actually leaving that town to come to a bigger town and be like, oh, my God, there's other people like mm-hmm. me. Like, I remember when I went to the first bear bar and I'm like, this is a thing? <laughs> like, what's happening? <clears throat> there's other people that are bigger than me and they're more comfortable than me. Mm-hmm. And that helped me like, oh, wow, it's actually okay to be gay, number one, but it's also okay to be overweight and gay. And, like, nobody cares. And it was sort Mm -hmm. of making me feel like my first time sneaking into, like, the, you know, adult store where it was, like, open and it was talked about and it was accepted. They make me feel comfortable in the actual community Mm -hmm. where I felt like I belonged and where I felt like I wasn't going to be judged. And, you know, like, there's family and things like that. But until somebody's there that actually understands what you're going through and you don't have that within anybody else it's a very nice feeling you don't feel like something like that exists until you experience something Mm -hmm. welcoming like that yeah Yeah, michael i wonder for you was there it was there was there a change in how people reacted to uh 24 year old michael versus michael today like as far as when i came out yeah yeah oh related to your body Well, things change. Of course, my mother was always accepting, and she said that she knew before I did, sure, and sure. and she loved me no matter what my weight was. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of people that didn't want to talk to me again, that didn't like me or feel like that I was going to hell, and mm-hmm. I was a terrible person. Um, but like me, for example, like it really was. It felt like two things: yeah. like being overweight. And being gay and not feeling, like I said, I did not feel comfortable. And I mean, I knew it was 11 or 12 when I was overweight and gay, but I felt like I really did have to hide who I was in that aspect. And the only place I felt comfortable were at these safe spaces Mm -hmm. around like-minded people. When I was not in those safe spaces, I would just get more shy and more quiet and when I would go home to visit I would pretend mm. this is like really early internet mm-hmm. so you know um, I wasn't on like a Facebook then or anything like that so I would go back into pretending to be 
straight and quiet and only go around a few people and go around a few people that are accepting of me. And I hardly ever went home because of that. Yeah. So, mm. But other gay men, did they respond to you differently when you when you lost weight versus when before um, you lost weight? <clears throat> well, the, the um, bear community uh, wanted okay. me to stay big because they okay. were they were fetishizing me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there was the chubs and the chasers and people were mad at me, literally mad at me, um, the chasers, because I lost weight mm-hmm. and said that I had like turned off their fantasy and they wanted nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then people that actually ignored me before uh, when I was overweight, the same people mm-hmm. were wanting me to be a part of their lives. Like, oh my God, now all of a sudden I'm interested. Oh my God, I like caribou. Wow, you look so amazing now. Can I get your number? I said, you didn't want it then. Why should mm-hmm. I give it to you now? You know? So it's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Like people that really loved me hated me and people that hated me loved me. And I was just like, I don't want anything to do with any of you. Because if you didn't like me before I am, then, you know. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with you now. Love me for me, no matter what size I am, like what color I am, whatever my orientation is. Like, if it's not your body, then why are you worried about somebody else's body? Like, that's the part I never understood. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like somebody that's overweight, don't hang out with that person. If you don't like somebody that's a different color, don't hang out with that person. You know, nobody's making you do anything. Just keep your opinions to yourself because mm-hmm. nobody wants to hear them. Like, your negative opinions of somebody. So, you mentioned the F word. Yeah, I was trying to. Yeah, no, you did. It was a good job weaving that in there. No, I meant around fetishizing. Yeah. So, you know, I had asked a question, and I think you've taken, <clears throat> once again, you have taken something that I, I initially would have thought was like, how has our community fetishized our bodies? Mm-hmm. And you have taken it from like an owning it, right? Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that. Um. Yeah, I mean, because of my weight, I'm fetishized also. Um, You know, I also had people when I lost weight. Oh, you're losing your ass. It's like, man, you know, it's like, okay, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. I'm not different. My body shape is a little bit different, but, you know, that's it. But, yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of people who just want to be around you when you're fat or when you're skinny, they, you know, they're, they value the outside instead of the inside. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've also run into, you know, people who want me to gain weight. Mm. I'm like, okay, no, <laughs> no, thank you. Um, I can do that plenty on my own and not for your benefit. Um, But, yeah, it's, I mean, there is a a big community of people that just fetishize you for your body size, whether you're skinny or fat. Um, And it sucks. It really sucks. Um, And, you know, it when people fetishize you, they don't see you as a person. They just see you as an object. As I do remember being at um, Trauma, the big Halloween party that is here in Columbus. Somebody followed me up a flight of stairs and kept touching me. Mm. And I'm like, what What is wrong with you? Oh, I like your size. 
touch me. You didn't ask. And I certainly don't want you to touch me. And you touch me again. I'm going to lay you out. (laughs) And then they're like all taken aback because, you know, I've now become a person in their eyes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's there's still a lot of the fetishizing of the weight or the non-weight um, that happens in all communities. And, you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day that someone being fat is the last safe thing to make fun of. Mm. You know, because... A lot of people will use the word fat as a weapon, you know. I've had people, you know, oh, I want to get to know you, you know, I want your number and stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm not really interested. Well, you fat bitch. It's like, well, you were just interested a second ago. But since I wouldn't give you the time, now I'm fat. Mm. And, you know... That word doesn't mean what you think it means. I mean, there is a lot of people that using that word still hurts them deeply. Mm-hmm. But I decided that, nope, this is a word. It's neutral. And you can't use it as a weapon against me. Good. Well, so let's turn the tables a little bit and let's talk about healthcare, which is kind of why we're here and doing this mm-hmm. this podcast. And you already mentioned a little bit about um, access to counseling mm-hmm. uh, and and the challenges there. And uh, but I just wonder how you're for both of you, and you, you both are in different places in your life. Talk to me about how healthcare, whether it's you know, therapists or physicians or dentists, um, how they have responded to you and your health needs over the years? Um, You know, for me, I think I've been quite lucky in, you know, in being fat in healthcare. Um, I have a lot of friends who have just been through the ringer trying to get somebody to listen to them. For the most part, I've actually been very lucky. Um, it has It's only been recently that, you know, I've developed diabetes and uh, high blood pressure. But um, the thing is about being fat is a lot of doctors, well, if you just lose weight, all this stuff would go away. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, because everybody's different and everybody is different. Um, and what works for, you know, one person may not work for another. Um, but, you know, as far as, you know, like the therapy, I had to get the insurance to be able to, to be able to do that. And, you know, I was at a point in my life that I was like one step away from suicide. And I'm like, okay, there is something seriously wrong with my brain and I have to get this fixed. Um, And, you know, I've been with my therapist almost five years and it's been tremendous. Um, My primary care physician, it took me in her office 
crying before she would give me anxiety meds mm. or, you know, and uh, depression meds. Cause I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Um, you know, as far as, you know, the other healthcare things, like I said, I've been very lucky. Um, I've had doctors that listen to me and not just, you know, poo poo everything away. I did have, uh, one instance with a uh, orthopedic doctor and he was just basically like, you know, you lose weight, your knee will be fine. No, I had stuff wrong with my knee and I went to another doctor and they fixed it. Um, so a lot of the times you just have to kind of shop around mm-hmm. uh, for doctors, especially when you're heavier, because there's a lot that just blame everything on your weight, even though that may not be the root cause. And most of the time it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, another thing that I've noticed, it's been very slow, like in waiting rooms and things. Um, they have started... Uh, getting larger furniture for larger people. Not all of them, but, you know, I I will scan the waiting rooms to see if there's somewhere where I can sit. Um, you know, and that's just not me. That's a lot of people. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's one of the things that a, a lot of, um, they call them straight-sized people, mm-hmm. you know, thin people. Um, they don't think about mm-hmm. you know because they can fit in normal chairs but a lot of people can't and a lot of people won't actually say anything that they are uncomfortable and you know why can't you get larger seating and things like that so I mean it's slow it's a slow progress yeah um it's unfortunate that though I think that you have to shop around that yes that, that that's not a basic uh, part of training of a, of a medical provider mm-hmm. that that they know how to welcome all people into their practice mm-hmm. that, that the work is on the patient to find the physician who will treat them mm-hmm. as a person yes um, how about you oh I could never afford insurance in any of the jobs <laughs> yeah. well, really I could never afford the insurance in any of the jobs so when I started at my current job, they're like, here's the, what the insurance premium, like, I can't afford it. So I was actually able to get on um, Medicaid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that changed everything because mm-hmm. I could go to the doctor. I could go to the dentist. I could get my epilepsy medications. I was able to get transportation because I don't drive and get everything taken care of. And I had the general care physician and everything was covered. And like I said, every year they keep adding more stuff. Mm-hmm. My doctor was so quick to prescribe me anxiety medication when I said I just wasn't feeling well or normal. And I was on it for like five months and I was out of my mind. It was awful. The dose was wrong. No, it really was really bad for me. And they're like, oh, well, let's cut it back. And I went just taking a half a pill and it wasn't right. So I took myself off the medication. So for me personally... I don't want to go the medication, but now I want to work with a therapist and actually talk to somebody. And I feel like that's going to help me without the medication and then eventually maybe find a balance of therapy and medication and seeing somebody that I feel comfortable with and going to the right doctors and maybe kind of try to put everything together so I could feel like some kind of a normal place in my life, whatever that is going to be. So that's kind of what I'm, the route that I'm on now is trying to find the things that I work, where I work at to pick and choose like what I want um, and feeling okay with the mm-hmm. choices. Sure. Yeah. 
Chemistry is a welcoming and affirming program for the LGBTQ plus community and anyone looking to stop or reduce their substance use. We offer one-on-one counseling for you on your recovery journey. Join us Mondays in person or online. To learn more and schedule your first visit, please give us a call at 614-340-6700. Once again, that number is 614-340-6700. Thank you. So I invited you two out here to um, the ends of the earth. Um, (laughs) And um, I like to make sure that I have given you the time and the space to share the things that you Mm -hmm. wanted to share as part of this discussion. And so I want to give you that time now to to make sure that you're sharing what's important and valuable to you. I have my questions taken care of, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I want to make sure. And I know you came with like a whole list of stuff, <laughs> well, put it away, I which know. is no super cute. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I love that you wrote all that stuff down, but yeah. um, I just want to give you both that space and, and yeah, then we'll wrap it up with what I kind of uh, like a message yeah. I want you to give folks out there in podcast land. Well, I just feel like <laughs> I just feel like people start focusing on themselves and worrying about their body and their choices instead of taking so much time to worry about what other people do. Think about where they would be if they would just focus on their lives, their business, their politics, their own religion, their own beliefs. How far along would they would be if they just get out of other people's business? And my personal motto, and I take notes and write things down, it's like if it's not your body or your baby it's not your business mm-hmm. like why do you feel like you have the choice or it's your ideas to make choices for somebody else's life I just don't understand that I'm not trying to worry about what everybody else is doing or anybody else is doing and why you know where does that get you like mm-hmm. just causes you so much stress and anxiety when you're trying to focus on what somebody else is doing that's my thing like I never understood that okay, how are you um yeah you know on that it's like what other people think is none of my business Mm -hmm. um they're looking at the world and looking at me through their experiences and their issues and their trauma um you know there's nothing i can do about that i can't fix that Mm -hmm. um but i you know i've tried to uh give people grace that, you know, while they may believe these things about me and that, you know, I'm lazy and I'm slob and, you know, all this stuff, that's a lot of their upbringing and what they heard and what, you know, happened to them. Um, You know, and one of the things that a lot of people still fail to realize that trying to shame um, someone, whether it be for their orientation or their gender or their body, um, shame never helps anything. It doesn't make somebody be a better person. It doesn't, um, it doesn't, it's not helpful. Um, But, you know, also a lot of people, they tend to um, berate and belittle others just to make themselves feel better. Um, And, you know, that's where therapy comes in. (laughs) So you can work through your trauma and learn better ways of dealing with things. 
out. Very good. So what would you like to share to someone out there listening who may be in your shoes or similar shoes, I guess? Well, I know I said I write like a lot of quotes uh-huh. and I have mantras and yeah. I flip them every day. And um, I originally had wrote hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. Right. But then a friend of mine was like, well, how about healed people, heal people and change it to that. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that is my new daily mantra. And I flipped through, like I said, my book and I write a lot of notes. So healed people, heal people. And it's OK to not be OK. And to tell somebody that you're not OK. That's kind of mm-hmm. where I'm at right now in my own life. And I feel like every day is a new day for people to reach out to somebody, you know, makes things easier to talk about it and not be ashamed to talk about whatever problems you have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, as far as we talked about healthcare, advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think there's something wrong, there probably is something wrong. And if this doctor is not going to to work with you, find another one. Keep trying until you get the answers that you need. Um, You know, and it's really important to try to not get down on yourself for how you think your life should be. Because, you know, a lot of the times it's not even close to what you think it should be. You know, I I gave up a, a lot of that kind of thing. You know, even two years ago, I lost 99% of my stuff in, an, in a fire. So I had to let go and find who I was without that stuff that I had for so long. And, you know, it's been very traumatic, but it's also been very freeing. So, you know, just keep working on yourself and yes, get therapy. You don't necessarily have to have anything wrong to get therapy. You need an unbiased opinion about things you're thinking about and things you're dealing with and it's so helpful good point i i um it was in my head when you were talking about that i true confession i'm a therapist um and and people um have conversations with people and they're like you know i do that work on my own and i'm like yeah so so if you had if you needed dental work would you like just right. go to the kitchen and grab some things and start? No. To, no, you wouldn't do your own dental work. So, so it's sometimes, it's often really good to to hire a dentist yeah. or to get a therapist to help kind of figure mm-hmm. out what's going on. It doesn't have to be a problem. And and using the dental um, uh, analogy, you know, we go to the dentist twice a year in theory, right? As mm-hmm. a preventative thing, mm-hmm. you go in, right. you get a checkup, they, you know, check to make sure that you're okay. And then they send you out and say, come back in yeah. six months. And, and imagine if we embraced therapy like that, mm-hmm. that it's like you went periodically, you know, little checkup, like how you doing, what's going on? Okay. Okay. I'll see you in six months. And then if there was something a little bit more serious that you needed to spend time on, then, then you yeah. would, you would, you'd come back more regularly, right? Mm-hmm. Until, until you were able to be managed every six months again. So it's yeah. like, if we could think about mental health care, like mm. dentistry and we had policies, healthcare mm-hmm. policies that, yes. that would support uh, two times a year, mental health checkup. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
I think so too. Mm. I'm a little biased, but <laughs> uh, no, I, you know, it's therapy's good. So thank you both for yeah. coming in tonight and really, I think just starting this conversation, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're, we're doing some work, um, where I work around this topic. It's, it's newer thing for us, mm-hmm. um, around intuitive eating. We got some new mm-hmm. support spaces that are starting and, um, this has been helpful for me in terms of understanding a little bit more about our community and our needs. And it really is just the t- just the tip. Oops, I said that. It's just the tip, which is actually what I wanted to call the podcast. Just the tip. And, um, That'll be the next one. I was, yeah, I was encouraged to not call it that, but um, I thought it was kind of cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, that we just really dipped our toe in the pool of mm-hmm. issues around body and our community, and um, yeah. you know, there's tons more bodies out there with lots of different experiences with those bodies and Mm -hmm. and let's let people be themselves and celebrate who they are Mm -hmm. um that's my takeaway from this so i appreciate you both being here today thank you thank you and uh we look forward to having more conversations about this in the future awesome yeah thank you for tuning in and we will Thank you for streaming Stop Stigma, Start Healing. For additional information on our support groups, please visit us at equitashealth.com forward slash start healing.